Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. One of those hard Saturday mornings to get out of bed. It's still dark. It's cold and it's wet. But it's an Arizona Saturday morning. So that means it's Rosie on the house. I had to drive through fog this morning leaving the house for about the first 20 miles. Right in between our Christmas and New Year's, if you're one of those people that enjoy the Christmas festivities but not the crowds, Prescott Courthouse Light at Courthouse Square is still lit every night of the 180 trees. They're lighting over 110 now, and they light that every night well into January. So if you'd still like to go celebrate or enjoy some of the Christmas uh, and holiday spirit, Arizona's Christmas city, city is still lit up every single night. Or if you're looking for a little bit of, you know, mountain recreation, alpine skiing, I couldn't find anything on Mount Lemons Ski Resort, but I know Sunrise is open, and I know Snow Bowl is open. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> great, great. Uh, as for, from what I've heard, one of the highest snowpacks that we've had to date at either of those mountains. For this time of year. For, right, to Yeah, date. I think Snow Bowl's reporting 58 inches. <laughs> we're, having to keep, we're having to keep Rosie tethered to the mic this morning. Gotta love that, man. Oh, with lots of fresh powder. Lots of fresh powder. It's bowl season as well, and I'm not talking about snow bowl, but uh, football bowl season. The Cheez-It Bowl was in town last night, and we host the Fiesta Bowl tonight. That's got to be a fast turnaround, getting the mm. stadium uh, turned over from one, uh, you know, sponsored, painted football field to the next one. Just picking up the trash from one <laughs> to the next. Seriously. And then going down... On at the county fair, this Arizona State Fairgrounds, is the 42nd annual Arizona Livestock Show. And we've got a spokeswoman for the Arizona Livestock Show, Lauren Rosberg, on the line to talk to us about everything going on today at the State Fairground. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. How are you? Very good. What do you all have planned for today? Yeah, so we actually have a pretty big schedule today. Um, today is our first official day. Um, for uh, people to come in and, and see all the animals. Um, we have the uh, guilt show going on today, um, as well as um, a couple different open shows for cattle, um, and then uh, the junior sheep showmanship, as well as goat showmanship. And talk through what these events entail. You know, just a, what is a goat showmanship? What do I have to be prepared to do? Yeah, so um, each of these classes, the kids prepare um, for most of the year by, you know, raising their animal and then um, making sure that it's very well broke um, so that they can show it well um, and show off the best parts of their animal. Um, Additionally, it requires lots of knowledge on your animal um, and the breed as well so that you understand kind of, you know, what you're showing. Um, And some of those things, um, and then day of, the kids get up really, really early and uh, they, you know, uh, give their animals baths, and they um, give them a little haircut, and uh, then they go ahead and get them in the ring. So it's a livestock show, but is there an auction as well? Do I have the opportunity to buy any of these animals? 
Um, yeah, there's actually an auction uh, later on in the week. It's called the Sale of Champion Auction, um, and that's where the kids who've done the most successful throughout the week have the opportunity to sell their animals. Um, in addition to that, we also have a guilt sale, which is a female um, pig. She and so people can go and buy uh, a guilt if they want to, you know, continue to raise or show a hog. And this is the 52nd year it's been here in the state and one and the biggest one in the Southwest. How did this all get started? Yeah, so actually it's the 72nd year. Um, what I say. But it all started in 1948, um, and it was called the Phoenix Stock Show back then. It did start at the Arizona Fairgrounds, and it's always been there. Um, and, you know, it wasn't changed until the Arizona National Show until 1952 when they got um, one of the greatest um, people who ran the show who came from Denver um, to go ahead and, and get this show to where it is today. Um, we can really thank a lot of the ranchers and the um, really just influencers in the industry back in 1948 that really just decided that this was what needed to happen um, in order to have a successful show in the area. And how many people do y'all expect to uh, be contesting and showing? Um, we have about, um, it depends on the year. Um, most years we have a, you know, a couple, a couple thousand um, that are, are showing um, as well as generally about over 21,000 people that are attending. And I mean, it is a big lineup. Y'all show cattle, sheep, goats, swine, horses. This is an excellent opportunity to take city-dwelling kids to experience uh, the rural farm animals of America firsthand. It's almost like a a, a fair environment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great way for the public to kind of get, you know, that inside perspective of, um, what some of the rural kids are doing, um, as well as just, you know, a background on different animals, different livestock, and direct opportunity to interact with kids in their projects. So um, any public can come out and, you know, learn about a goat or a sheep, um, some cattle, some pigs, and it's a great, great opportunity for kids especially to get their um, firsthand experience of, of some really cool livestock. Well, I noticed on the website this year, y'all have a new event that really piques my interest the cattle dog trials i mm-hmm. i love watching working dogs work that is one of my favorite events as well um i know it's so much fun to see see how the uh the guy in charge and the dog interact with each other and how they work together to you know move animals around absolutely so it's the ranch horse competition cattle dog trials uh breeding cattle what is a ranch replacement heifer? So those are more of your, um, so there's kind of a difference in breed standards between what we consider um, a replacement heifer for a ranch setting versus a replacement heifer for a commercial setting. So those are really, you know, what you're going to see in Arizona as your ranch, um, on your ranch, uh, as your replacement heifers there. You can check it all out. At ANLS.org, Arizona National Livestock Show. 
Barbecue Stampede, Cattleman's Day, Cowboy Classic. The Cowboy Classic's an art show. The Farm Experience. Yeah. The Cornhole Competition. And the Farm Experience is is a lot of fun. There's a handful of different events going on there today. Can anybody compete in the goat roping? Yep, anyone can Oh, anybody can compete in the goat roping or the Little Buckaroo Rodeo, which includes what they call mutton busting. And mutton busting is where they put um, kids ages of four to six, and they try to ride a sheep. Um, and it is super fun not only to partake in but also to watch. Um, and that's open to the public. So if any young kids want to give their hand at being a, a rodeo, in the rodeo for, you know, a little bit, that's um, every day from 11 to 5. So they can do that. Um, in addition to that, they also have tractor rides. Um, and some direct interactions with farm animals uh, through the farm experience as well. There's a $20 fee for the mutton busting. I don't see a fee for the Mm -hmm. goat roping. Do you have an entry fee for that? Um, We do not. I think that goat roping is, um, it kind of depends on the experience level, so that generally one. Um, They generally do that one for free um, just because it's a little more difficult. There's a junior class and an adult class for the goat roping. It's a team roping type setting, so you'll need a a partner, a header, and a healer. Then there is that cornhole competition going on and the barbecue stampede. If you're just looking for some good old barbecue, that is a great place to get down to the livestock show as well. I know it smells amazing. I have to walk by it every day, and and I get get a uh, smell of it, and I'm waiting for it to be ready. They compete in chicken, pork, and ribs and brisket categories, and it is uh, certified Kansas City Barbecue Society who's judging it. So. That should be some good barbecue. That's happening today down at the Arizona State Fairgrounds. If you'd like to uh, go down, it's actually all weekend long. It's ANLS.org. You know, you were talking about holiday things that continue as well at the Arizona State Fairgrounds starting 530 to 10 every night all the way through January 12th, Lights of the World. So it's lighting displays that represent cultures all over the world. So you could go to the cattle thing, uh, livestock show, and then stay, have a little barbecue and head over to the lights. And there's 10 million lights at the mm-hmm. one in Phoenix and the one in Tucson has 6 million lights. So there's They've got those fed lights of the world in both uh, major metropolitan areas. You could, uh, like you said, go see the lights of the world. No shortages of things to do. And the world of illumina- uh, illumination, is that what they call it? Lights of the world is the one at the Arizona State Fairground. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's another one like uh, that Janice always takes her kids to. Is that north of town on the 101? It used to be on I-17, but it's not there this year. It was moved. But those, they say those light shows are pretty fun. No shortage of things to do here around the great state of Arizona. It's Rosie on the House with you every Saturday morning. Tuned up and rolling. It's the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. So it's World of Illumination is the name of the one I was thinking of. It was on I-17 last year, but it's moved to Tempe Diablo Stadium this year. Great tip. Thank you. Hey. That's what I get for not... I should look things up before I just start talking about them. <laughs> There's so many things that come flying through at us. It's hard to keep track of it all. Have If you guys had to pick your top Arizona cities to celebrate Christmas, what would they be? My own. Home. <laughs> <laughs> Home's good. Home's, Home's good. good. Um, my, mine would be in the North Country. I'd want, I want uh, a real 
frost in the morning, maybe fresh powder on the ground. Uh, but it, for my money, I, it, it's tough to beat Prescott, I think. I mean, the way they light up the city square, uh, Prescott, any, anything else close to a ski resort, Flagstaff. You have a one-track mind. Greer. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Romy? Oh, I'm probably in line with that if you're looking for that um, snowy white morning. Flagstaff would be a hard one to beat. You can't always count on that in Prescott. You know, about every eight to ten years you get the snow falling at Christmas time, but, you know, it's generally on the ground and flag by then. I think Glendale's pretty charming, the way they do their Christmas lights and just getting out and walking around enjoying it. So Wallet Hub did a survey of the top 100 cities in the United States. And we didn't do so good. Uh, it was based on several things, traditions and fun, observance, generosity, shopping, and cost. And uh, Scottsdale came in as number 36, which I wouldn't have picked, Scottsdale. Tucson is number 39. Phoenix is number 42. Mesa, 78. And Glendale, 96. And Prescott didn't even make the list. Interesting. Interesting. But it was a national poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the places I've spent Christmases, Rockefeller Square, New York City, was pretty special. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a special holiday. Well, the, of the 100, they're all over the place. Many in Texas, New York made it, a lot of the coastal cities. There is no doubt in my mind the most miserable Christmas I've ever spent <laughs> was in Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, there was no Minnesota on there at all. Holy I'm sorry, guys. cow. <laughs> Man. They had that most spectacular light show. And Bit- Bitlyville. But we, we were so huddled over, you could just barely peek out of all your scarves to see it. You walked through it. Oh, my gosh. Miserable. Apparently the largest lighted Christmas display village in the country. And the village. They, and then... Mm-hmm, and then they do a fireworks show that's spectacular. But you couldn't even turn your face into the wind to watch the fireworks. <laughs> it hurt so bad. Oh, I, I, I get a shiver just thinking about that Christmas. Mercy. No, give me Greer. Give me Prescott. Give me, give me Flag. Or like Romy says, give me home. That's right. That's a good Home one. is good. But, you know, home this year... We've got grandchildren in visiting. Uh, they're the ones that dragged me up to Duluth. They currently live in the Sacramento area, so they've relocated. But they're here visiting with us. They've been here about two and a half weeks. I'm curious. Have y'all, I mean, has, has your holiday plans this past 10 days changed? I mean, we've been in, I've played more board games <laughs> In the last four days, I've played in the last 20 years. Well, it's funny because they were here right before Thanksgiving, and that holiday got rained out. And then this year, we, Rosie likes to give everybody a big adventure. Big adventure. Our big adventure yesterday, Romy? Bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't the only ones. Yeah. First, The first place we went was an hour and a half wait for an open lane. Holy smoke. So we had to do a little driving around. But the kids enjoyed it. We had fun. But yeah, my my idea of family adventures, get out on the desert and, you know, let's get the dogs and the horses out there and get some riding and some hiking and some geocaching and some navigational skill education and flora and fauna education. 
not this year. Not this year. <laughs> Had lots of good cuddle time by the fireplace. We've, we've been huddled up in front of the fireplace for two weeks. Uh, so I'd be curious. Has it impacted y'all's vacation? And I've got friends right now this week that are traveling all corners of the state. Got a good friend all the way over in the White Mountains and in Alpine and Hannigan Meadow. I know they're having a, a frigid, beautiful white Christmas celebration. I've got, a, I've got a friend going down on the Mexican border, going to spend the next few days. That's probably going to be pretty wet and slushy, but beautiful. I mean, the desert is coming out to your place the other day. I mean, the desert has a green blanket on it. Uh, it's It's been a one of the wettest Novembers and Decembers in a long time, other than last year. Last year was great, too. But, boy, the desert can drink this up. Lots of goat food out there on the ground right now, that's for sure. And is 191 open? Or have they already shut that down when he went to Alpine? Did mm. did he have to go? Can you even get to Hannigan's Meadow? They usually shut 191 at, at by Hannigan. about Yeah. Between Hannigan and Clifton is pr- pretty well closed down during the winter. They don't keep it open. They don't plow it. I wouldn't want to plow that road. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. <laughs> that, that's a thriller, baby. That's a thriller. A beautiful, beautiful country. You got to really plan to get to Hannigan's if you're going that way. Yeah, and it's worth the trip in the right time of year for sure. It is. Beautiful part of the state. And it's a little corner that doesn't get visited very often. Duncan, Clifton, Marincy. You know, we were actually looking at Marincy and Clifton for a staycation. We have already have all of our 2020 lined out for the year, but for 2021, you know, we're already starting to put together the calendar. And to do that, you've got to have all your staycations lined out because each month we talk about where the next one's going to be and how to enter to win and send people to different parts of the state. And we're looking at a, a mine tour in the Clifton-Marincy oh. area for one of those possible destinations. It's a great mine tour. And then just running up 191 and heading off to the east and drop down on the Blue River. Uh, you're in some of the most remote country in, in the Wild West right now. It's it's beautiful country. Beautiful. More here in our Arizona Hour with Rosie on the house with you every Saturday morning. The tank is full and we're moving through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the house. We usually do this in the second segment, but I completely forgot about it. We've been off all week. (laughs) It's Christmas time. It's vacation time. It's family time. So 411923 is the text number for a set of passes to Arizona State Parks. And these are the new ones. Good through January 1st of next year. Uh, Text the answer to 411923. True or false. William Owen O'Neill. Earned his nickname Bucky because he was a little buckaroo. He was one of the first contenders at the Prescott Day Rodeos and got known for being fairly well-mounted on the Bucking Bulls and got his nickname Bucky O'Neill. That's true. Text true to 411 or false. Text false and we'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment and send you two passes to Arizona State Parks with a parking pass. I don't know. This one doesn't. Yes, it does have parking on it. Yes. It's one adult, one child and a parking pass. And a parking pass. That's right. And boy, is it going to be a beautiful spring to get out and look around. Oh, man. It is. 
a great opportunity to get out and see the state. Also, don't forget the first hikes. The, this one uh, at the state park cell on January first, which is Wednesday, right? Yes. Yeah, you can use those passes for your first hike of the year. There you go. Very good. There was a list out. You were talking about top Christmas cities. There was another list that came out this week. It's the end of the year. Everyone's got lists, in fact. End of the decade, right? <laughs> right. In our Home Improvement Hours later, we'll be talking about our top uh, articles of the year. But this one was top restaurants. And this was a, of the nation's top 100 Phoenix listed four. So I wrote down which four I think would should be on that list. And before I read the article, just to compare how I did, and I, I didn't get any of them right. but <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, that depends on how much you like to spend on your dinners. And that was kind of what made me think, you know, if you are traveling somewhere else, how many people are in Arizona for their first time or in Phoenix their first time, and they read this list and they went to any of them, how many local people would have sent them to the same places? You know, I, I don't know. Well, if you were sending somebody to eat in Phoenix, where would you send them? I guess you want they... me to go through. I I had some time to think about this because I, I sure Durant's, of course, yes, nice. The stockyards, fun. Grapevine, fondue. One of our, one of our favorites, yes. And the salt cellar. Okay. Unique experience. Not right. one of those made it. Now, I would have listed Cork and Cleaver, but it burnt down. Um, <laughs> and the one of the restaurants that did make the four is what was rebuilt there, Steak 44. I don't know if it's the same people that uh, owned Cork that one and Cleaver, out. but Steak 44 made it. Uh, have, I've, I've never been there since it was Cork and Cleaver. Yeah, you know? we've, I've been. You have? Yeah. They're very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, Cafe Monarch. I never even heard of that one. Well, it's in Old Town Scottsdale. It's been there a while. Jennifer and I uh, visited for the first time just this past year. Um, and I don't like to be critical of anyone. But it it's nationally acclaimed as the most romantic restaurant you can eat dinner at. And I would tell you it's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, yeah, if I could pick one place, if it wasn't so far, I would go more often to... Uh, Winslow to the La Posada, the restaurant there. That's turquoise room. Turquoise that's room. perfect. Mm-hmm. That's my idea of a really nice, nice, nice dinner. I mean, if I if I had one restaurant, it would be Raz's. Mm. That's Scottsdale and Shea. You've mentioned that one a, a number of times. Where you just where you just sit right up at the bar where he's cooking, and he just feeds you little bites of some made up little treat. And you just keep taking little plates until you, like, overflow. You say, whoa, time, I'm tapping out. Yeah, you can have a sit-down experience as well. But that's, oh, yeah. that's one of our favorites is to sit at the bar like that and just have him visit with you and tell you kind of what he's thinking about. And It's fun. It's fun. I, I think it's very hard to beat Lon's at Hermosa Inn. I think Lon's is probably one of the finest sit-down. I like Wright's at the, at the Biltmore. Um yeah, I, it's been so long since I've eaten at El Charo, but I just remember that El being kind of like a, a, a too exclusive. Like, you know, you, you, you'd have to make reservations for Christmas right now it's, on twenty twenty. Or off season. <laughs> it's, it's nice, yeah, but El Charo is nice, that's for sure. And the sanctuary, and the, none the of dining those, room up at the sanctuary is awful nice. None of those made the list. It was Cafe Monarch, Ocean Forty Four, Steak Forty Four. I'm assuming the same owner. And then the Kai at Sheraton Granite Wild Horse Pass. And this was a big survey. Open table, 12 million reviews of 30,000 restaurants. Wow. But not, okay, not one in Tucson made it. 
Uh, not one? Not one. I don't know how you can't. Huh, wow. Um, you know, you've got two options there at the Cong- Hotel Congress, the Cup or Maynard's. Um, you've got Charles Steakhouse just south. I don't know how those don't end up on it. Or the Peacock Room in Prescott. Yeah. So I don't know. Hey, and text us your favorite restaurant, 411923. Let's do our own little survey. How it, many from New Orleans, mate? Okay. Here's what really, like, when I looked at it, got like, a flag. all right, throw, throw this list away. One, and it's one you've never even heard of Bistro Daisy. Exactly. There's a lot, a lot of puzzled looks. <laughs> is, is that in Scottsdale or Phoenix? What, That's what? New Orleans. Oh, in New Orleans? The yeah. only one that made it in New Orleans is Bistro Daisy. Someplace nobody's ever heard of. Oh, no. You haven't. You got to have the souffle at Commander's Palace. Oh, that, is a, that is a must. My favorite place is Nola in the quarter. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when you talk about the restaurant where you sit up at the bar and watch the chef, yeah. his, my favorite thing is I go solo, I sit up at the bar. And what the chef does when he gets started, he says, okay, I got to practice a little bit. He just makes something up, comp. It, it, it's outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding before you get your entree. So I guess the whole point of this conversation is if you're new to Arizona and you're going off of lists to pick <laughs> your place to go and dine, spend a few more minutes asking around. Ask a local. <laughs> no, no limit of great places to dine, that's for sure. Plus, you want to break it down a little bit. Best place to have breakfast. Yeah, Yeah. right. right. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And uh, Old Town Scottsdale is kicking it breakfast. I mean, there there are four or five places, including uh, some of the hotels that do a really great breakfast. And it's you just got to walk in and and, and flip a coin because you're not going to be disappointed. I think price point counts as well. I don't like to eat and then get nauseated afterwards when I see that (laughs) bill. (laughs) So... Hey, all the talk this year, too, is about the growth in Arizona. Been a good year for Arizona. It has been. Um, who do you think moves here the most? From what state? California. I would, yeah, I would say California. 25% of our newcomers are from California. University of Queensland out of Australia did a um, survey of 60 countries. And Americans, of course, as you would maybe suspect, are the most mobile. 45.9% um, will move in a year's time, in five years' time, sorry. In five years, okay. 45% will move. And um, the interstate migration routes that attracted most were California to Texas. That one surprised me. That's the number one in the move. whole, mm-hmm. in, within Wait. the continental United States. This, was, this is a 2018 number, but yes, from California to Texas. Wow. That's a big that, culture change. That surprises me. And climate me. change. Well... <coughs> Depends on what part of California. There's a lot yeah. of the climate that's, that's very similar. And when you think of California and you think, uh, you know, politically, <coughs> the big cities really cloud what the rest of the culture in that state really is. <laughs> True. And then California, California to Texas. Okay. Next would be California to Arizona. All right. Not hard to, that one's not hard to imagine. We're close. We're cheaper. We're, you and, know. Small. And when you're leaving California, you're leaving with so much equity. If you've been there any time at all, you know, you can come to affordable Arizona. You can come to affordable Texas and and seriously upgrade the size of your house for half the mortgage. And a lot more land. And a lot more land. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the third one. New York to New Jersey. Fleeing New York. 
New York to New Jersey. And yeah, I've never been to either one of those places, but in my mind, they're comp- there's like nowhere else to build. It's all concrete houses everywhere. How, how can you have room to go to New Jersey? Isn't it full already? You'd be surprised. I was surprised the first time I saw it. Well, New Jersey is a little cheaper than New York by about a buck and a quarter. <laughs> you know. Okay. Okay, here's some, the most interesting findings about Arizona. 750 people per day settled in Arizona last year. Whoa. Which county man. got the most? Uh, you guys know. Three, 350 a day. Maricopa County Maricopa got the most. County. Next. 750 a day. 700. In the state. And then, um, of course, we already talked about most of them. 25% that's so bitter. That's so bittersweet. <laughs> you know, that, that y- you're happy for the state, but it kind of hurts at the same time. Ouch. Oh, man. But no. I, I think Governor Ducey has the perfect byline for the state. Come and be ready to work. <laughs> Get it done together. And then we have, with almost 180,000 people who moved away from Arizona, we still gained 94,000 newcomers. Well, on a population so of, of seven, 7 million. Out of complete curiosity, did that list say where Arizonas were moving to? Like, the, of the people that left, that 180,000, mm. where was their top destinations? This particular article did not, did but not. maybe we could find out. I don't know. Where would you go once you leave Arizona? Where would be a better place to live? I think what I see more often than not just observing is people going back to wherever it is their family moved from originally. Could be. Going back to take care of parents, going back to the family. Or trying to find what Arizona was 20 years ago. That too. Going to Wyoming, (laughs) going to Idaho. Or industry change or job change. Industry change, yeah. Yeah. I, I would probably just move more rural here somewhere. A little cooler than the desert floor and a little less people. And Idaho was, in fact, the fastest growing state in the Union as a part, as a percentage of its existing population. So, but there's only a million people in Idaho. That alone makes it a great reason to move there. (laughs) That's a beautiful state, too. You know, all the pictures I notice I see that isn't of it under snow. And I understand it is often that way. Idaho is. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there was a time I thought I could do that in the snow. I I, I can go visit it. I, I don't think I could live in it. Yeah. Well, I know you have a wife who couldn't or wouldn't. <laughs> well, that's a, you know, that's a big part of, you know, our lifestyle and with the horses. What do you, what do you do completely covered under snow? You know, we're we're so spoiled. We're, we, we've been pouting all week because it's been too muddy to ride. And then this is like five days we can't ride. What would we do with five months under snow you could? Yeah, really. I thought the same thing. You, the horses have no footing. It, you know, their stalls and their arenas are like muck. What do you do in a place? Oh, and I you guess know, you just... a lot of those old cowboy songs talking about catching a snow, you know, stepping on a rock under the snow drift and breaking an ankle. And, you know, it's... We are spoiled. Muck. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line. I don't think I could do it. So the answer to today's true or false, Bucky O'Neill. It did not come from rodeo. It came from a move called Bucking the Tiger. It was a strategic play in a feral card game. And if the last four digits of your phone number are 6605, congratulations. You are the only correct answer. I've never seen just one person ever get it right. But you were today, and we'll send you two tickets to Arizona State Parks.
And Gary's talking to a person on the phone, so we'll talk a little bit longer and take our break later. (laughs) (laughs) Multitasking. When it's your time, it's your time. Did you see this guy survived flying off 89A coming out of Jerome? No. Going 65 and a 25, flew 120 feet in the air before he went down three to 400 feet rolling down. He was... Uh, mechanical extraction was required. They had to helicopter him in, uh, took him to Deer Valley, and he was expected to make a full recovery. <laughs> wow. But let that be a lesson to you if you're new and you see a sign that says 25. There's a reason. And there's a, and that 89A coming down to Jerome is very curvy. And, uh, just couldn't catch that curve, I guess. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think many people would survive that route. <laughs> Cruise it through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the house. Well, all those people coming to Arizona get to see new signs. There are six designs that recently uh, feature Arizona landscapes that will start being installed. One's the Grand Canyon, Sorro National Park, Sedona's Red Rock, Horseshoe Bend, which is in mm-hmm. the Grand Canyon, Flagstaff, San Francisco Peak, and then Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument. You know, the funny thing about those, none of them are, they're about as far as you could possibly get from where everyone's moving. (laughs) From the majority (laughs) of people moving into Maricopa County, all six of these landscapes are about as far from that as as you can get. Oregon Pipe's closer than the Grand Canyon to... The Phoenix metro area. <laughs> but nothing's terribly far. You know, That's you can get there, in a, get there and back in a day's time or maybe spend one night and really enjoy. And in December's edition of True West Magazine, they had Wonders of the West and their, all their top picks of museums throughout uh, not only the Southwest, but Oklahoma, the Midwest, Kansas, you know, Texas, the Old West. And Arizona, we had four that were listed on there. We had Arizona Historical Society. We had the Heard Museum, Museum of Northern Arizona, and the Charlotte Hall Museum. Excellent choices. How about, Rosie, we love that Scottsdale. Museum of the West. Mm-hmm. That's a great one as well. It's pretty new. And uh, you think I would know it, um, the Wickenburg Western Museum. Uh, Caballero, I got Desert Caballeros. Desert, yeah, I, I was... I was, the, the Dude Ranch was stuck in my head. I was trying to think of the, the museum name. And that one, uh, that's, that's a great one as well. Living History right inside. Yeah, great artwork. That one's beautiful. And speaking of living history, the Pioneer Living Museum is another great one to go experience and always have fun old West shootouts in a old town. It was kind of like uh, what, what I remember Rawhide being is now over at the Pioneer Living Museum. And I think I think they've recreated some of that at the new Rawhide, but... You know, I just don't get to that part of the state. Well, the Pioneer Museum, you can see people practicing trades and kind of living the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I haven't made it to the new Rawhide. You know, it's 10 years old, but it's still new to me. We had a <laughs> one year, Queen Creek had its ro- rodeo there. And I mean, just briefly ran through it, but it, it wasn't really open. Because it was before the rodeo started, and it looked pretty similar, but I haven't been to it while it was open. We'll have to create a bucket list for ourselves for this year, all the things we want to get out and see that we missed last year. I'm all for that, for Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) Hey, we've got a great show lined up for y'all today. 
we've got Greg Peterson, the Urban Farber, coming in at 8 o'clock, outdoor living segment. Romy, what's on y'all's agenda today? He's got a pretty long one. We're going to be talking about planning your garden. If uh, your New Year's resolution is you're going to get a garden in this year, we'll be talking about how to get uh, it lined out and planned. So you've got the best bang for your buck. A lot of times uh, people get burned out because they go too far too fast. And then they get overwhelmed taking care of it all. Or they get wiped out from... Uh, frost or insect and get discouraged so it's it's planning garden success all right well i'll have one tip to give the listeners when we get to that segment for sure because i definitely have found one tip for winter gardening and those of you who are regular listeners know i'm not the gardener in the family but i will have a tip for you nine o'clock hour what time what time of year is better than kind to assess your stuff too much stuff, especially now after Christmas. It's uh, it, you're trying to find places to mount the new pictures, put the new uh, accents and accessories. Uh, we've got a specialist coming in at nine o'clock, talking about decluttering your life and the anxiety that that can eliminate from your life, and for no other reason. I mean, we're going to be talking about a particular story of a client whose home was deemed by the building department to be unsafe for the inhabitant and for the neighborhood. So much stuff. They, they, the, the, the building department was going to make this person move out of their home. And our guest, so, our guest worked Ms. her through that. Miss Rachel Winter. Miss Rachel Winter helped her work her way through that. And, Rachel will tell you she's not a psychologist or a psychoanalyst. She's just a, a, a manager of stuff. She Is she will a help you manage your, Well, that that has <laughs> to be a, that has to be a part of it for sure. But uh, in the nine o'clock hour, we're just going to be talking about getting the place organized. And I didn't think we've lived in our house for thirty years, and I don't think it's cluttered. Everything everything we've got on display has a memory to it. But when we brought our realtor through to consider listing it, the very first thing they said, we're going to have to declutter a lot. <laughs> Ouch! There's no clutter here. These are memories. <laughs> 